0: Well, 12 years ago when my wife and I got married, we one of the first things we had to figure out how to do when we got to our first Christmas together was combine our traditions, which maybe sounds simpler than it actually was. Uh, she grew up always driving with her family to Indianapolis where her grandparents lived, and uh, her grandmother's birthday is on Christmas Day. So it, it was hard to, you know... Missed that. He had two celebrations on one day, kind of had to be here for it. And I grew up with my family always having Christmas morning, just our immediate family, uh, my parents, my four younger brothers, and myself, uh, Christmas morning at our house. And then maybe we'd go somewhere in the afternoon. So we realized that first Christmas it was impossible for us to do both. We couldn't both be in Iowa and be in Indianapolis within just a couple of hours. Even with the time change, it wasn't going to work out. (laughs) So we had to decide. Which family do we want to offend first? Because you know how it goes, right? You do the every other thing with your parents, but somebody has to get the short end of the stick that first year. So we decided to offend both of them. Uh, and we did Christmas just the two of us, just Jenna and I in our apartment, just ourselves, and then that afternoon we went somewhere. And the next year we moved to Texas and it became impossible for us to come home for Christmas and do all that. So it was great. We offended everyone and then they, they couldn't do anything about it. Uh, But when we did that, it it was hard for our parents because uh, both my mom and Jenna's mom had this idea of what it meant for the family to be home for Christmas. My parents had never had a year where our whole family wasn't together on Christmas morning, uh, opening presents around the tree. Uh, Her family uh, had not had that point where all the kids didn't go with them to Indianapolis. And so our attempt to, to create a new tradition for our little two-person family uh, kind of broke the tradition uh, for our parents, and that was difficult for them because this idea of, you know, going home, being home for Christmas is an idea that is just full of emotional resonance for us, especially as you age and as your children get older and it's harder for everyone to be together at the same time. Just to get everyone together, to be home together becomes very meaningful. Now, what it means to be home, what it means to go home, is an elusive concept. Uh, The very idea of having a home seems to be uh, difficult for us uh, to to understand because there's all these strong feelings that surround it. Uh, These feelings which reveal a a deep longing, a deep ache within our hearts to find some place that we can call home and, and really mean it. A place where we feel like we belong. Like we can express ourselves, maybe even find our true selves. We chose to call this Advent series, the last four, the last three Sundays plus today, we decided to call it Home for Christmas because we wanted to tap into this uh, deep ache that we all have when we think about being home. Some of you have spent thousands of dollars so that you could be here, or you're about to spend thousands of dollars, so you can go somewhere to be home for these Christmas celebrations. And this ache, this longing to be home... Uh, ...points back to a reality that we once knew and have since lost. Uh, Scripture records that we were created to live in a garden, in a paradise uh, with God. The human race was created to be God's priests, the mediators of his presence to his creation first in that garden and then as people multiplied and spread and expanded the borders of the garden around the world literally they would spread god's kingdom around the world that's what humanity was called to do and then our first parents adam and eve uh, chose a different way they chose a different path they chose to disobey god They chose to take the weight of the responsibility that comes with any relationship of love and to throw off that weight, to say to God, I would love your paradise, but your presence is a little too much for me. I don't find that useful. I don't need it. Uh, They wanted God's goodness, all the good things He could give without wanting God himself. And so humanity, uh, the story goes, was banished from God's presence, lost the first-person view of the face of God's glory, and forever and irreparably destroyed the relationship of love that had moved God to create humanity in the first place. And now that humankind had been banished, our people's history, the story of humanity, became a story of a people in exile, longing for a home. Now, however you take that story... Is is history or myth, uh, fact or fiction, Uh, homeless is still the best way to describe our spiritual state today. Uh, One author says, our lifelong nostalgia, our longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off, to be on the inside of some door which we have always seen from the outside is no mere neurotic fancy, but the truest index of our real situation. And to be, at last, summoned inside, that would be the healing of that old ache. But you and I today, we embark on all sorts of projects attempting to create the feeling of home for ourselves, to manufacture for ourselves a place where we fit, a, a place where we can finally be true to our identity, a place where we feel authentically ourselves, We gather things, we collect things, we collect relationships, we build little empires to ourselves, always hoping that the next thing, the next relationship, the next boyfriend or girlfriend, the next job, the next project, the next whatever will help us feel like we finally found what we've been looking for, that we finally found home. We are a people in search of a home. That same author I quoted earlier goes on to say, at present, we are on the outside of the world, the wrong side of the door. But all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. A couple years ago, sometime in the fall, I lost my wedding ring. Uh, which, if you did not know, is not a good thing to do. And it was lost for a couple of months, no clue, looked all over the house, didn't find it anywhere. But a couple of days before Christmas, Jenna's parents were coming into town for the annual come to Christmas, or come to Indianapolis for Christmas and grandma's birthday. And they uh, were staying at our house. And this was in our old house. We didn't have a guest room. We just had a pull out couch, you know, with a hide a bed um, in our den. And uh, so they were there, we had the blankets, we were just getting all ready. We pulled the couches, or the cushions off of the couch. There's my ring, sitting right on top of the hide a bed. I don't know how it got there, but I said, look, I found my ring. And my wife said, no, I I bought you a ring for Christmas. (laughs) Well, Amazon has a nice return policy, so she sent it back. Um, Might've been nice if she'd kept it because this is not my wedding ring. I lost it again um, six months ago and have not found it. I'm, I'm waiting for the day when I just suddenly stumble across it and there it is hope it comes soon. Um, My ring did not walk off by itself. Uh, I misplaced it. I left it somewhere. I don't know where. Uh, But we humans, we did walk off by ourselves. God had made a home for us, a perfect dwelling place, uh, not just one that was perfectly suited to us physically and emotionally, but spiritually, vocationally, holistically, he made the best possible home for us. And we said, you know, I'd rather scratch something together out of the mud for myself uh, than live in this beautiful home you've created for me. And so we left the garden behind. And now, no matter what we do, we can't go back. The way home is closed to us. We can't go back, at least not by ourselves. Now, the way home is closed because we, yes, we broke God's law, right? God said, do not eat the fruit of this tree. Uh, And and we broke that law. Our our first parents, on behalf of all of humanity, broke that law. But more than just breaking the law, because when you break a law, you know, it's easy enough to fix. You just, Another law or a, or a bigger punishment or you enforce it better or whatever. But when Adam and Eve ate that fruit, they didn't just break God's law. They broke God's heart. They broke the perfectly intimate and holy loving relationship in which God had created humanity. In which we were designed to flourish and to live and to be his mediators of his presence to the earth. It was broken. And the fabric of paradise was broken ripped in two. Now, when a law is broken, obedience is enough. But when a heart is broken, it takes more than just obedience to fix the damage. It takes love. But God knew that we would never love him first. We would never come back to him first. We would never choose him. So in his love, he chose us. And he moved towards us first in love. In the New Testament, in a book uh, called Romans, which St. Paul wrote to a group of followers of Jesus in Rome, he clearly explains for us this story of God's movement towards us in love that we call the gospel. And in the fifth chapter of that book, in verse 8, St. Paul writes, God shows his love. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't say that once we got ourselves cleaned up enough, then Christ died for us. Or once we mustered up enough love for God, he then chose to turn around and love us back. What it says is that when we were sinners, when we were still dead to him spiritually, when we were rebels, he said, I'm, I'm going to make a way for you. God's love moved toward us. He came to us first in sending his son, his only son, Jesus, who, if you think about it, left his home in heaven and experienced the exile that's ours in order to bring us back home. Jesus came to earth to offer us a way back to God. Jesus came to earth. That's what we're celebrating tonight, Christmas Eve, as we look forward to tomorrow morning when we celebrate that Jesus is born. An infant in the manger in Bethlehem has been born to us. Jesus came to bring us home. In another place in the New Testament, in the collection of stories about Jesus' life that St. John put together, uh, he records Jesus saying these words I am the way, the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father. No one comes home except through me. Jesus came to bring the human race home. In his uh, short little book called The Prodigal God, Pastor Tim Keller writes, how can the inner workings of the heart be changed from a dynamic of fear and anger to that of love and joy and gratitude? He says, here is how. You need to be moved by the sight of what it cost to bring you home. Jesus came and experienced the exile we deserved. He was expelled from his home, expelled from his home in heaven, expelled from the presence of his father, thrust into the outer darkness and the uttermost despair of spiritual alienation in our place. Jesus took our exile so that we could come home. My bet is there were at least one or two of you elbowing your neighbor saying, Don't they know Joy to the World isn't a Christmas song? It's a second coming song. I don't know how many times I've heard that, but for those of you who may have been thinking that, you're right. But tomorrow's Christmas, it's not Christmas yet. We're still in this season we call Advent, and that song, Joy to the World, is an Advent song. It's a song that anticipates the coming of Christ. Now, Advent uh, means coming, as a word. And uh, it's the season in which we do anticipate the coming of Jesus, born as a baby in Bethlehem. But that's not all we anticipate in this season. We also anticipate that Jesus coming back in his second coming to rule and reign as king. That's why we can sing, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. But as long as we're singing that song, and as long as that song takes place in the future, as long as sins and sorrows and thorns infest the ground, we know that we are not yet home for Christmas. Uh, And yet, Jesus comes. See, the story is that God made a perfect home for humanity, but we walked away from it in favor of making a home for ourselves, entirely by ourselves. And so all of human history has been this story of people longing for a home, a people in exile longing for a place to just belong. We've been fighting and dying and warring and bleeding to secure and build a home for ourselves, a home that we hoped by our sacrifices would last. And yet, like any other temporal thing, it eventually will fade away. But because Jesus has come, we can sing that he will come, and he will come to make his blessings known as far as the curse is found. Jesus made a way for us to come home, to a home that will not fade, a home that we don't have to fight to preserve, a a home that, that he secured for us, a perfect home. The home we've always longed for, the home we were designed to live in and flourish in, Jesus calls us home. And in His home, where we'll live for eternity, you know, it's not—it's not, it's not going to be uh, an ethereal, impersonal form of consciousness. One theologian writes, "We will not float through the air. We're not going to be riding on clouds, uh, playing harps, or listening to Johnny play harps. That's not the way it's going to work. We will eat." This person writes, We will eat, we will embrace, we will sing, we will laugh, we will dance in the kingdom of God in degrees of power and glory and joy that we can't at present imagine. See, according to Jesus, our home is not embodied consciousness, it's not some ethereal state, it's a feast, it's a table. It's a table laid out in anticipation for each of us, for all of us, to come home. Heaven is a celebration of all the lost. And around Jesus' table, uh, there's room for all. In a few moments, uh, Johnny and Jenna are going to sing a song for us called Home at Last. It's a a newer song that that most of us probably aren't familiar with, and we're not asking you to try to pick it up and sing along with it, but as they sing to reflect on the image of table and feast and the coming home of God, our Father, who adopts all of us and where uh, when we come home, we will finally, at last, be one family and we'll be able to say, we're finally home. Let's pray. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Great God of power, we praise you for Jesus Christ, who came to save us for our, from our sins. We thank you for the hope of the prophets, the song of the angels, and the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. We thank you that in Jesus you became flesh and dwelt among us, sharing human hurts and pleasures, forsaking your home to enter our exile. Glory to you for your grace-filled love. Glory to you, eternal God, through Jesus Christ, Lord of lords and King of kings, now and forever. Amen.